Just as Jesus came out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and it said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. In 1 Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ also suffered for, his, for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God, he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. I'm calling my sermon today, Covenant of Love. We are living in a society where almost everything we want or need has a contract that comes with it. Covenant is rarely used. It's a contract. Cell phone, house, job, car, insurance, business, so on and so forth. Anything that you want to do, there is a contract attached to it. It is not that it's bad. It's oftentimes a good thing and a necessary thing to safeguard our interests and assets and to satisfy legal requirements, right? We need it. But because our life is so bombarded with contractual language and materials, we tend to miss the mark when it comes to understanding the word covenant. We tend to apply our contractual understanding or mentality in our Christian walk because we are so bombarded with contractual language. Oftentimes the word covenant or its implications are not even in our focus or understanding when it comes to our faith and relationships. We tend to view relationships, including the one with God, as contractual rather than covenantal. So, if God does this for me, I will. Or if I get this from God, then I can. If you really love me, God, you will. Sounds familiar? I have done it. And I still do it. Because I forget that it's not contractual, but it's covenantal. I forget. But our God is a loving Father. And He looks on and probably smiles at our childlike antics. Thank God He does that. If you love me, God, you'll give me that job. See my friend who's driving in a beautiful car? If you truly love me, you will make it possible to help me. Sometimes he just smiles. My child, he or she will gradually learn. So, what is the difference between a covenant and a contract? Interested? What is the difference between a covenant and a contract? A contract says, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? The covenant says, that's for me? That is for me? You see the positioning? A contract says, what's in it for me? 
The covenant says, that's for me. A contract is pursuing self-interest. There is no part that there is the power to negotiate terms and conditions before accepting. If not satisfied with the terms, then there is the option to reject or negotiate. That's a contract. Whereas with a covenant, you're receiving somebody else's interest. God decides, you get it. There is no power to negotiate terms or conditions. Cannot alter it. Either we accept or reject. Agree or disagree. Covenant. There is no alterations. Either we receive or reject. Or we accept or reject or agree or disagree. Okay. Let's look at Genesis 12, 1-4. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Go. Just go, Abram. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. So from this passage, we can see that Abraham did not have any say in what he received from God. Come out, Abraham, go forth. Seriously? I'm pretty comfortable here, you know. Come out, go forth. I will bless you. Seriously? You will bless me? How can I be so sure? Covenant. There is no negotiations. Either Abraham accepts or sits put. Rejects. I'm glad he set forth. He accepted the covenant terms. God established a covenant with Abraham. God chose, chose Abraham to fulfill his promise and Abraham accepted it. Thank God. Think about it. What's God calling you to do? Next difference. Contract. It better be good. It better be good. Because I'm investing money, time. It better be worth it. This phone, I'm signing a two-year contract. It better give me the data plan. <laughs> if not... Contract, it better be good. Covenant, for better or for worse. Even if it goes south, I'll be there. I'll be there. Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of the people around you. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. In the thick of battle, rest assured, God is there with you. That is a covenant for better or for worse. Sounds familiar? Sounds familiar to something that we do? No matter what happens in your life, you will not be forsaken or left alone. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is a covenantal promise. That is a covenantal promise. He will never leave us nor forsake us. In the thick of battle, in the thick of your suffering, in the thick of your pain, God's promise is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
please don't leave hold of him. Next one, contract. We often ask, for how long is this contract? How long? Two years? Three years? Covenant? Again, an exclamation. For that long? For that long? It's an exclamation of excitement. I don't deserve it. For that long? Contract. For how long? In a contract, generally, generally, we get to negotiate the time period of the contract. But in a covenant, it is predetermined and we are just informed about the time frame. Usually, it is still our death. Again, does it sound familiar? Or for generations or forever. Abraham, you will be blessed for generations. For that long? Yeah, Abraham. For that long. Genesis 17, no, sorry, Genesis 9 12, and God said, This is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you, and every living creature with you. This is to Noah. A covenant for all generations to come regarding the rainbow. This is the covenant I'm making with you for all generations to come. Did Noah have a say in it? Could he negotiate? Nope. You're stuck with it. But it's a blessing. Next one. Genesis 17, 7. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Oh, hallelujah. That is your promise and that is mine. Not only are we blessed, but generations after us are blessed because of choosing, accepting, agreeing to be in that covenantal relationship with God our Father. Wouldn't you like to say a hallelujah to that? Generations. He doesn't go back on his word. Generations. That's a promise. Because of a covenant, you did not sign a contract with God. Next one. Contract. Break it. Leave it. Or fight it. Let's take it to court. Covenant. You break it. Covenant is nullified. Sorry, contract is nullified. Either we leave it, or if the guy comes after you, we fight it. See my disposition, okay? It's one of arrogance, is it not? Covenant. Break it, you face it. You break it, you face it. What do I mean by that? In a covenant... Even if you fail to fulfill your part, the covenant is not nullified. That's good news. Even if we fail to fulfill our covenantal agreement, 
it does not get nullified god is faithful he will many times attempt to bring you back with his love and discipline because of a covenantal relationship because we are faithless god cannot be faithless he cannot be false to himself he is faithful he will come after you either in his love or in his discipline thy rod and thy staff they comfort me and they guide me rod and staff that's another sermon for another day second timothy 2:12 if we are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself Lamentations 3:22-23 Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassion never fails they are new every morning great is your faithfulness oh that's again an, another hallelujah one they are new every morning he opens a fresh slate they are new every morning thank god son you broke the covenant no worries my compassion never fails my mercy is new every morning it's another day to make a difference in your life Does it ring a bell? That's what God says about us. It's another day to make a difference in your life, son. It's another day to make a difference in your life, daughter. It's another day. Come back to me. Come back to me. Deuteronomy 7:9 to 10 reads concerning Israel, probably the story of our own choosing by God. Deuteronomy 7:9 to 10. The choosing of Israel by God. probably this is a story of some of our lives as well if not all god wasn't attracted to you and didn't choose you because you were big and important the fact is there was almost nothing to you sounds like me he did he did it out of sheer love keeping the promise he made to your ancestors god stepped in and might mightly bought you back out of that world of slavery freed you from the iron grip of pharaoh king of egypt know this god your god is god indeed a god you can depend upon he keeps his covenant of loyal love with those who love him and observe his commandments for a thousand generations but he also pays back those who hate him pays them the wages of death he isn't slow to pay them off those who hate him he pays right on time covenant of love he calls us into a relationship with him when i was reading this i was thinking that's my story god i am what i am today and i'm being in the faith and i'm living in a relationship with god it's because of somebody who prayed for me probably my grandparents i know they were praying people they were all christian believers in faith and their grandparents generations blessed for those who keep the covenant so when i look at it i wasn't big i wasn't important i was a nobody now let us take a few minutes to look at how the covenant of love is to be applied in two areas of our lives two areas we need the practical application of it we looked at covenant sorry contract and covenant the differences now 
This is our story probably, that we were nobody, but God established a covenant of love with us. Now how does it play out in two areas of our life? How does that play out in two areas of our life? Two areas of our life I'd like to look upon, not two, just one out of that two, is marriage and ministry. Uh Uh-oh, Bobby, are you going to speak about marriage? No, I'm going to evade that topic for this time. I'm not going to talk about marriage as that would be a topic to explore for another day, another session. But the roles to fulfill as God calls us into a covenant of love in a married life, I'll share that and leave. The roles that God expects for us to fulfill in a married life, in that or under that covenant of love, are partner, priest, and parent. And in that order. First, he calls us to be a partner, a lover to our spouse. Second, he calls us to be a priest. Don't get them interchanged. If you're a full-time priest in the family, your partner will miss you. Don't get that interchanged. Partner, priest, parent. Don't put that also in front. Parent, don't get them interchanged. It can lead to dysfunctional families. I'll repeat myself. Partner, priest, parent. Parent can be your own biological children or children that you choose to bring to your family. Or you may be somebody's parent who is not biological as well. So just keep that in mind. This is another sermon for another day. But let's look at what Christian ministry includes. So in our Christian ministry, we are all Christian ministers, meaning in the service of our Lord Jesus Christ, in some capacity or another. So in Christian ministry, the roles we fulfill in the covenant of love, what does it include? What would be the roles that we have to fulfill in the covenant of love? First, sons and daughters. We are sons and daughters. Under the covenant of love, we are sons and daughters. We are children of God. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. The moment you believe on the Lord Jesus, confess with your mouth and obey him in the waters of baptism. The waters of baptism, a public declaration, we get a new set of clothes. The righteousness of Jesus Christ, we walk in that. As sons and daughters, holding our head up high, Because we are the son of the king. Another hallelujah moment. We are the son of the king. The next role that we need to fulfill, again, this is in the order. The second one we need to fulfill, we are servants of God. We are servants of God. Some translations of the Bible calls it slaves of God. And some translations of the Bible calls it um, a a particular section, which I'll read, uh, which is there up there actually. Paul says, bond servant. So Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. 
In Exodus 21, it talks about a bond servant. When a servant has served for six years, the seventh year he can be free. But the servant can choose to live with the family. At that point, the master of the house would take the lobe, take it to the door, and then with an awl, pierce it. Now that slave has become a bond servant. Come whatever may in, your, in, in their life, in the life of the family, the servant is always there to never leave that family, to never leave the master. My brothers and sisters, are we bond servants or are we living in a contractual agreement? If you don't do this for me, I'm out of the door. Or do we have the mark of the master? Come what may, I will stay with you. As we see in Daniel 3, 17 to 18. If we are thrown, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I managed to say that without a problem. All right. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't know this, they are servants, born servants. They've got the mark of the master. They are not going to abandon ship. Even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve you, your gods, or worship the gold statue you have set up. That is a bond servant. That is coming under the covenant of love. That is not a contract. Lastly, first role, son, daughter. Second role, under the covenant of love, is as a servant, as a bond servant. Second, finally third. I was poor at math, you can tell, right? Right. I still am. <laughs> Saint. Saint. Come on, Bobby, that's pushing it a little too much. Who is a saint here? We were once sinners. No longer. We're saints now. We were once sinners. Now we are saints. Call yourself that. I am a saint. Of course, I've got some rough edges, but he's still working on me. But I'm a saint. 1 Corinthians 1-2, Paul says, to the church of Corinth, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. I'm not going to get into the theology of sanctification, but just to tell you that we are saints called by God. So the three roles for us under the covenant of love, a covenant, not a contract, sons and daughters, servants, bond servants, and saints. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that encouraging under the covenant? And it's not a contract. This season of Lent, let us take time to focus on this covenant of love. As we walk the Christian life, 
we will have seasons of joy seasons of pain seasons of laughter seasons of sorrow seasons of plenty and seasons of little but through it all remember we are under his covenant of love through it all remember please remember we are under his covenant of love not a contract a covenant so we grow as a child of god we serve as a born servant of god and we live as a saint called unto god so that we can hear god our father say you are my son and my daughter whom i love with you i am well pleased